Hello everybody, welcome to Radio Ragu. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Taylor. We are so excited to be here with you today and, you know, introduce ourselves a little bit, talk about who we are, why we're here. Why and why you're listening to us. Yeah, it's going to be great. So, Chelsea, <laughs> who are you? Who am I? <laughs> who are you? I am an Idahoan girl with a love of languages and a joie de vivre, unlike you could ever believe. Ever could believe. <laughs> Grew up in Boise, went to school in Utah, lived in New York for a bit, and now I am here as a master's student of international relations at the University of Bologna. A2 Taylor. Welcome from Idaho. Thank you. I, my name is Taylor. I'm originally from a small town in Vermont called Richmond, and I lived there my whole life. Went on to university at Regis College in Boston. Lived in Ireland for a few months during that time. Wow, where in Ireland? I was in Cork, in the very southern part of the country, and I loved it. It was a fun little city, tons of energy and personality. Awesome. It was a blast. And after that, I worked professionally for a couple of years, working as a policy analyst. And I decided to come back for my master's degree, also studying international relations at the University of Bologna in Italy. And that is how we know each other, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> because we quite literally have class with each other. Quite literally. Yes. We sit in cybersecurity and text jokes. Like, and we literally have data science tomorrow morning. Yes, we do. <laughs> Bright and early. Thanks, Professor Sabinelli. Uh, thank you, Professor. Thank you so much. You're wonderful, but thank you. <laughs> so, what's your experience so far in Bologna been like? Bologna so far has been honestly pretty incredible. It was everything I hoped it would be and more. And with so much more character and personality than I ever could have imagined. For example, when I first got here, again, I imagine like you were, I was jet lagged. I, would, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, what continent it was, what my name was. No idea. Yeah. And I... <laughs> I walk down the street to understand my neighborhood a little better, and there is a little market next door. So I'm like, let's go in the market, get an idea of what's around me, mm -hmm. see what we have. Turns out the emergency exit doors are a different color than they are back home in America. Oh, no. And quite literally, I had been on the ground for less than five hours, and I walked out the emergency door and triggered the alarm in the entire building. <laughs> And I just, I stood there. I'm like, I, I know what's coming next. And somebody came over and it was like, again, I don't speak Italian, but I'm guessing it was along the lines of, what are you doing, sir? And I just said, mi dispiace, I'm sorry. No, Italiano. <laughs> Americano. And they just went, <laughs> And then in silence, not a word more, pointed at the exit. And I just <laughs> kind of nodded and said, Buona sera, which is good afternoon. I just said, Buona sera. <laughs> and just quietly sulked out the door. And I'd been on the ground for less than six hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> While that set, certainly set the tone, Bologna has been an incredible city that I'm slowly really starting to think of as home in a way, which is different and yeah. exciting at the same time. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. And I love that story because I feel like you know, we'll get into this more later, but it makes me think of why we're doing this podcast is just because the experience of an American in Europe is an experience for the American and for the Europeans. 
with whom they come into contact. I could not have said it better myself. Absolutely. <laughs> there, I assure you there are Europeans out there right now who are going, this weird American that I met, I don't know what his deal was, trying to go out the wrong door, triggers the alarm. What was he thinking? <laughs> and I'm just, if you're that listener, I'm so sorry. I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> what about you though? What's been your experience in Bologna so far? You know, I really didn't know what to expect. It's worth mentioning, I wasn't even sure. It, immigration is tough, as you know. Yes. And I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to be here. So I didn't really study a lot of Italian too early. You know, I was just trying to get an apartment figured out so that I could get into the consulate, so I could, you know, whatever, whatever. And so when I got here, I just was like, wow. You know, I mean... I had been to Italy before, but not not here, not to Bologna. Yeah. And I feel just like this is a different place. Yes. You know, the food is different. The feeling is different. And I've really enjoyed getting to know it piece by piece. Of course. Tell me, when you got off the plane, did you kind of have that starry-eyed tourist look as well? Well... I was a little bit type A when I landed, and I was like, okay, let's get this done. So I go to the post office to pick up my residence permit paperwork. Mm -hmm. I go to the phone store to set up my phone plan, and I'm just like running around like crazy, pretending like jet lag doesn't exist. Yes. (laughs) Pretending like I'm not exhausted. Uh Uh-huh. Like you hadn't just traveled a quarter of the way around the world. Yeah. Here was a little bit of my embarrassing moment. I get done setting up my Italian phone, and I was like... I am really starving. Where would you recommend that I go for lunch? And the guy was like, it's 3 p.m. Nothing is open. Yep. Nothing is open. That's not how we do this, you know, because a lot of Italian restaurants will open for lunch and then close during the afternoon, as you know, and then open up in the evening. Yes. So my first meal in Italy was McDonald's. (laughs) It was the only thing that was open. (laughs) Listen, if it makes you feel any better... The first restaurant I visited in Italy, because I made the same problem, was also McDonald's. (laughs) And I remember it was a crispy bacon cheeseburger and an order of chicken nuggets. I just had, I had some chicken nuggets too. And I remember sitting at the table going, something about this feels so wrong. Yes. This is, what am I doing? I mean, the one euro drinks or like the really cheap drink, that never feels wrong. But sitting there... Watching, you know, Italians come and go, and I'm just sitting here with my little fries that are starting to wilt. Like, this is me. I'm in Italy now. In a city that has won awards for its cuisine, and here I am with bacon that was probably made a year ago in a different country. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten to have some good food since. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. And the city is no shortage, as I know you know. No shortage of incredible food. So many amazing foods. And one of the things that I think when it comes to food we have to talk about is very important and it's very serious. Okay. What is your favorite flavor of gelato? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) You know, it always changes because every time I go to the store, I'm just like, this is my new favorite flavor. Of course. What is this pistachio thing or whatever? Yes. So I'll go with the flavor that never fails me. Two scoops, dark chocolate, mm-hmm. blueberry. Delicious. It's awesome. It kind of reminds me of those, um, oh, what are they called? 
you know, like those little chocolate covered, they're not exactly craisins. They just have like maybe blueberry and acai and stuff like that that you can get in the States. Kind of reminds me of those, only cold and better. Interesting. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds really good. What about you? I'm a fruity gelato guy. I love the fruity ones. Some people criticize me for it, but I love like the strawberry, the lemon, even the cherry or raspberry. Mm. Like any of those, but I love the strawberry and lemon combination. It's just magic every time. There you go. I like how we both answered with a combination because you know when you walk into a gelato store, you can't leave with only one flavor. Never, never, absolutely not. If you're getting three scoops of the same flavor here, that's fine. But I've never seen anybody do it. It's always this array of flavors I would have never even considered. And I love it. It's wonderful. (laughs) So, Chelsea. Yes, Taylor. We're, you know, recording this first episode of this show mm-hmm. here in Italy, talking about our time. Why, why this podcast? Because Americans are crazy and everyone started to notice when you and I became friends and started talking about it. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but like the best kind of crazy in my personal opinion. Yes. I can't tell you the number of times we've been in class and our wonderful producer over here looks over us like we're crazy, thinking of just the stories we think are normal and everyone around us goes, what do you mean that's what you did? Like, everyone's like, do you need a therapist? Do you need me to call somebody? (laughs) (laughs) No, I understand. I know that you have many experiences and how do those experiences help bring you here? You know, I have always loved the world. Always. Even as a kid in Boise, Idaho, which, you know, it's not a big city. It's not a small town. It's kind of this middle ground. You know, I didn't I didn't regularly have access to a lot of people from around the world or cuisines from around the world or, you know, things like that. But once I figured out there was something out there, I just had to keep chasing it. And that's sort of been the story of my life. Until very recently, uh, when I moved to the Northeast, I had been to more countries in the world than states in my country. Yep. Which was a really weird realization to have, but it's because I just love it. It gives me the energy to, you know, just keep going. (laughs) I get it. I completely get it. That, you know, the trail from that small town and where you start to find that little first, you know, snippet of the world, and you just want to keep chasing it. Yeah. So what was it for you? Do you remember, like, was there a thing that kind of opened that door for you? Yes. And I remember it was in high school, when I was probably 16, 17, that I was talking with my parents, and we were, like every American kid knows, in the junior, senior year of high school, you're looking at colleges and the next steps, and mm-hmm. everyone's asking you, what do you want to do next? And you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I remember always being intrigued by the thought of study abroad, but I hadn't thought too much about it. I'm still in high school. Yeah. But after having conversations with my parents about it and having it become a, th- a real thing that I could do, mm-hmm. 
So my first year as a freshman at Regis, I went and talked to my office, my study abroad office, and go, tell me more about this. And that little step, I became very close with that staff person. That just started the wheel of me being interested in the rest of the world and really wanting to dig into that. That's amazing. And I went on to live in Ireland, and it was incredible. I loved it. I still have friends there to this day. And I just never wanted to stop seeing every new country I could get my hands on. I love that. I think it really, it does just take, it takes one. It takes one moment, you know, for everything to change. Absolutely. And I think I had sort of a seed that opened me to the world and then another seed that opened me specifically to international relations, which you and I are both studying now. Yes. When I was a kid and I heard Spanish, it was the coolest thing to me. Like, I still have a memory of this book of being like, to go camping, acampar. And like, I loved that stuff. <laughs> I just, I, I really dove headfirst into <laughs> that world of just, there's a whole other language and there's a whole bunch of people who speak this language. And if I learn this, I can talk to them. And maybe there was just this extrovert person in me that was like, I need to be able to talk to as many people as possible, <laughs> which I guess leads me to this podcast. I guess I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people right now. <laughs> yeah. You've got a whole, the whole crowd now. Yeah. <laughs> but then, International relations itself, Miss Starry, she was the one. She was my seventh grade reading teacher. And I've had the chance to actually talk to her about this moment since then. Aww. Which was really, really meaningful for me. But I thought that I wanted to be a translator because I love languages and that seemed like a natural segue. And I told her that and she said, what if you were the one who had the opinion? I like that question. Yeah. Like, what if you weren't just translating from one person to the other? Have you ever considered if maybe you could be the one that needed a translator? <laughs> yeah. And my world just exploded. It just cracked open like an egg. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's what led me to study political science at BYU with an emphasis in global development. Mm -hmm. um, and just chase after that with everything I had. Because as you know, there's no clear way to really get into this field. No. People come at it from everywhere. Absolutely. I know people who studied international relations like we do in the traditional way, but other people who studied arts and computer science and mathematics. And I genuinely know somebody who studied physics before they went to law school. Wow. So that's kind of the magic of this field is every perspective. And I think it's been an evolution over time. But this field is really wanting every perspective at this point and not just the same. If you want international relations, you study international relations. Yeah. And I think it makes perfect sense because international relations is a mix of everything. Like it is very normal to think of it as politics. But really what international relations is, is life lived between different countries. Yeah. <laughs> so anything... Anything is relevant. Physics can be relevant to IR. Any, anything mm -hmm. that you choose. Absolutely. And at times, yes, it can be crazy complex with, yes, to compare hegemonic stability theory. And <laughs> yeah. Like, it can be a little cerebral. Yes. At times. But I think in its purest sense, it really is just people from one side 
and people from the other side coming over and going, hi. I think a lot about that with fields like this in general, and I'd imagine this applies across the social sciences. I remember talking to someone once who said, I wish politics didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, something clicked for me there because I understand that when most people hear the word politics, they think of a very specific domain. But when you're studying it, you recognize that it's just people working together on something Mm -hmm. or choosing not to work together. (laughs) At times. At times. But it's such a broad field and... Like you said, it can be cerebral, but it's a place that everybody should be welcome to participate in. It doesn't even have to necessarily be from that, you know, working at a high level in organizations. It can really just be having, expanding your world to knowing that there's somebody making dinner in another country just like you are. And it's just two normal people. Yeah. And you just come together and that pure excitement of, what did you make for dinner? I made this. What about you? Oh, I made this. Can I try it? And it's that little seed of cooperation that's really almost magical. Definitely. And I know that's why I love I love this field. It's, you know, I know we work on a lot of high-level stuff, but IR in its purest sense is just something wonderful. It's, and it's hard to ignore. have learned a little bit about us and what we do and where we are, but we were thinking that it could be a little bit fun just to learn some random stuff about us. Yeah, you know, not the stuff you see on a resume or a CV, but just little personal things. And this is going to be fun because I do not know Taylor's answers to these questions. I I do not know Chelsea's at all. This is not set up. Whatever's about to happen is natural. All right, let, let it begin. So, Taylor... Let's ease into this a little bit. All right, hit me. What's your favorite movie? I gotta go with Interstellar. I love Interstellar. I have seen it more times than I care to admit to. (laughs) I could probably quote most of the movie on the fly. That's awesome. Well, you never know when that knowledge could come in Exactly. You never know when you need to talk about wormholes. (laughs) So what about you? What's your favorite movie? You ever seen Secondhand Lions? I've not. Okay, it's it's a little bit of a, it's a little niche, but it's basically these two old guys who have gone on these adventures around the world, and they're living in Texas, and their great nephew comes to live with them, and it's just like the most shenanigan, weird, like, shooting at traveling salesman kind of movie, while also putting in good morals about how to be a good person. Fascinating. It's not like any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> now I'm just curious. I'm going to write this down later. We're going to talk after. I want to know this. Okay. Interesting. I like it. Now tell me, living in Bologna, okay. it's one of the great food capitals of the world. Yes. What's your What's your meal? What are you going to have if you're going out to... In Bologna? In Bologna. I am a sucker for tortellini in brodo. Mm-hmm. Because it's like... I mean, what it is, is you have these pasta shells with usually prosciutto on the inside, like meat like that, some pork derivative. Yep. In this broth that's like kind of chicken brothy. It's got lots of flavor packed into it. Mm -hmm. 
It sort of takes what I love about pasta and combines it with what I love about ramen. And as a grad student, pasta and ramen are life. Match made in heaven. <laughs> what about you? That's a great choice. Tortellini and brodo is fantastic. I would say bolognese lasagna. Oh. Like I was invited to an Easter lunch and someone's grandma, Nonna, made this homemade lasagna. And normally I'm not the biggest on lasagna. It's fine, but I'm not crazy about it. Mm -hmm. I had an experience like no other. Like the clouds <laughs> parted, the angels were singing. It was incredible. I mean, I feel like the number one piece of advice for anyone coming to Italy should be find a nonna. Yeah, the food will be the greatest you've ever eaten. Yeah. Immediately. It's just, it's like back home. Grandmas always make the best food. That's true. Like I know my grandma, whenever I go over for lunch or dinner, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> so it's the same idea here. And that lasagna with, it was a little crispy from the oven, just a tat. The mm. bechamel, the fresh meat, it's just fantastic. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Let's see. Okay, what's your favorite food then in America? Ooh, that's, oh, that's going to be hard. I love buffalo chicken pizza. Ooh, I didn't see that coming, actually. <laughs> I, I love spicy food. You put the heat on it, and I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And it's spicy, it's cheesy, it's hot, temperature and spice, it's phenomenal. I, I could eat a whole large one on my own, no question. Awesome. <laughs> what, what about you? What are you missing from home? What are you looking for? Oh, my gosh. Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Yep. I miss guacamole so much. Oh, you're not wrong. And I've tried to get it here, and mm -hmm. it's wrong. It tastes like it belongs in a nursing home. Yes, it's not the best. Because instead of adding the spices, it's like, well, let's take this avocado and put it in a blender with some yogurt and just make this weird puree crap that doesn't even work for you to dip chips in. It's definitely not what I would consider traditional guacamole. <laughs> To put yeah. it lightly, it's... I just miss it so much. And that's what I stocked up on when I went back to the U.S. for the Christmas holiday. Yes. My father-in-law makes some dang good guacamole, and mm -hmm. I ate so much. Shout out to you, Vic. <laughs> Thank you, Vic. You're, do you're doing good work. No, I get it. It's When I went back home and I came back here, I brought hot sauce. That's what I have. Frank's Red Hot. <laughs> I had three jars of it and two jars of peanut butter because you cannot find good peanut butter here. That's yeah, just... like there is there is an American store on the other side of town, but the peanut butter costs like, I don't know, $9? And look, Jif is already a little expensive, but I'm not paying $9 for that. Yeah. And the jars are, are not big either. No, no. I'd say next question, what has been the number one either redneck, American, because we're both from small towns. We've, yeah. There's a little bit of that country culture that we both know. Yeah, yeah. What has been the moment that you think of that when you talk about that moment here, people look at you like you're crazy? Okay, I have two, and I need to narrow it down. The, the one that came into my head instantly, maybe I'll talk about the other one in another episode. So my front yard had these big pine trees growing up, and Dad hated the roly-polies because they killed the roses. Yes. So... I would take pine needles with my brother Wesley and we would make what we called roly-poly kebabs. Pick up a bug, stick it through the pine needle. And 
That is not the most redneck moment yet. The redneck part came in when Wesley and I had made a few, and my dad had some leftover gasoline from the lawnmower. Excuse me? So we lit up in our little gravel area, and we roasted our roly-poly kebabs. Oh my god. I don't even know where to start with that. I consider that. I think that's a strong contender. That's a strong contender. I'll give you that. That I will give you. It just takes the country element of like, I got some gasoline, let's burn it. And I love that because I know that attitude as well. Like whenever there's a little bit of gasoline, there's an idea coming. Just wait for it. Someone's going to think of it. Well, and when I was younger, I mean really young, my dad actually worked for a fireworks company. So he is not afraid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, that's fair. That's that's a strong contender. I like that. Uh That, (laughs) What about you? (laughs) I would say, oh God. I would say one of the most like American moments I ever saw or was ever around was, I imagine you probably have something similar. We call it mudding. Yes. Where you take off-road vehicles, whether it be a pickup truck, an ATV, or four-wheeler. I love four-wheeling. And it's, it's great. And then you go find a giant mud area and you just tear it up. <laughs> Terrible for the environment, but a lot of fun to watch. Yes. And I know somebody who decided to do that and they, <laughs> they put fireworks on their truck. So as they're tearing through the mud, I mean, and I'm talking mud that's probably a couple of feet deep, you know, like 20 or 20, 25 centimeters deep for our European listeners, that they're going, they're tearing through this mud with fireworks coming off the back of their truck, and they have the window down just screaming at the top of their lungs, and everyone is clapping and cheering from the other side of the road. And I sat there and went, and this is my home. I live... 20 minutes away from here. This is my world. And I just sat there stunned. I didn't even know what to process. I'm sitting here stunned. (laughs) But I love it. And I love how both of our stories involve explosives. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, so... So so um, that's that's a little bit about us and a little bit about where we come from and our experience. It was really fun getting to know you through just those couple questions. I'm excited to learn more. Oh, (laughs) we're going to learn so much more, I have a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So what can we tell you, the listener, about how we're going to do this in this podcast? You're probably wondering what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, and after those 20 minutes, we don't blame you. (laughs) We... Doing this podcast as kind of uh, us reciting our experience as Americans abroad mm-hmm. and, you know, our experience from home versus our, our experience here, as well as our friends who we have from all over the world. And at some point, we, you know, hearing what they have to say and grad student confessions. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> Master's degree confessions. I can hear it now. And our time in school and our time living here in Italy and traveling to other countries. So, come to expect a lot of stories and a lot of laughing and a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun time. Thank you so much for listening to Radio Ragu. I'm Taylor. I'm Chelsea. And we have our wonderful producer, Ellie in the back, who's running the whole show. We Yay, thank her. Ellie. Thank you, Ellie. And we will see you at the next episode. Ciao.